Welcome to the first SDA podcast. We are glad that you have chosen to spend your time listening to this program, and we know that you will be blessed in the process. We pray as you listen to the message today that you will be inspired, empowered, and renewed to have a closer walk with God. Amen. Amen. Let's give it up for the Dudbots. Were you not blessed by that? Uh, that was an amazing rendition, amazing medley. I appreciate them for their constant and continual blessing of us in these dark and painful times. It's good to just see the energy that Ace and, and his sister sing with this. It's, it's a fervor that is sometimes lost as we get older. So I appreciate them. I was supposed to collaborate with them and sing this week, but I wore the wrong sweater. So, um, you know, next time, next time, Ace, next time I got you. I got you. <laughs> and so um, um, I'm, I'm happy to be with you today. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that, that uh, God has allowed us to make it to one more Sabbath. Amen. Uh, I, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. It feels like a long time since I've been here. And contrary to proper relief, I wasn't locked down. I wasn't. I didn't get in trouble with the law. Uh, we just had some sickness in our family. So just to protect you and us, we've been staying away. But I thank you for your prayers, your calls and concerns, people reaching out to me like like I had had really fall off the map. And I, so I appreciate the love and the outpouring from the First Church family. Amen. Without further ado, let us dive into the word of God. Turn with me, if you will, in your scriptures to uh, Mark 4, 35 through 38. Mark chapter 4, 35 through 38. And those who are in the house of God, let us stand in the presence of God's word. Mark 4, chapter 35 through 38. And I'll be reading from the Amplified Bible version. And it says, on that same day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us go over to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. So leaving the crowd, they took him with them, just as he was in the boat, and other boats were with them. And a fierce windstorm began to blow, and waves were breaking over the boat so that it was already being swamped. But Jesus was in the stern, asleep with his head on the sailor's leather cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are about to die? Looking back at verse 37 and 38, just for emphasis, and a fierce wind storm began to blow and waves were breaking over the boat, not around, not under, but over the boat so that it was already being swamped. But Jesus was in the stern asleep with his head on the sailor's leather cushion. And they woke him and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are about to die? Pray with me, if you will. As we spend the next few minutes discussing what little faith can't do. What little faith can't do. Let us pray. Blessed Father, we come before you now with thanksgiving. We pray, Lord, that as we go into your word, that you will be an usher for each line, each precept, each principle, pointing out what you would have us to remember and recall and hold on to so that we may be blessed beyond this setting, beyond this sitting, Lord. Open the pages of our mind and write your will there so that we may see you in a way and understand you in a way that we never have before. Let us go from here, Lord, with one question on our lips. What must I do to be saved? And how can I share that salvation with my friends, family, and even our enemies? In Christ's beloved name we pray, and for this sake, amen. And amen. What little faith can't do. I was, uh, as a kid growing up, I, I, I liked to play outside. I, I, I liked to listen to music. But there was, there was a pastime that I haven't outgrown as of yet. And I love to watch movies. I still do. Uh, uh, but when we were little, uh, we were allowed to, uh, as the, I don't know if y'all remember the video stores. But when the video store came out, we had four children in the house. So it was one person's job each week to pick the movie for that week. And so we would go there, you know, because we would go after sunset. And so you hoping that the new movie was there. You're hoping that the, the hot movie was there. You're hoping that the, 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 the newest release would be there. And so one week it's my brother's turn to pick or my turn to pick. But either way, it went. we both had the same movie in our mind. 
Jaws 3D. And, 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 and 3D movies back then were, were hit and miss at best. And, and, and so we were hoping that this would be a good one. We were hoping that when we popped it into the VCR, children, look up VCRs when you, when you get a little chance. But when you popped it into the VCR, we were hoping that we would be taken into a world where, where it would seem like Jaws, the, the great white shark, was climbing over our face and, and his teeth were just about to sink in. That's what we were hoping for. But as we popped it in and, and 10 or 11 minutes into it and we saw the shark for the first time, it looked like a toy in a big bathtub. It was so obvious that this was not what the director intended. It was so obvious that they did not hit the mark of portraying what the director's vision and what the hope that he would be because the, the capacity of the medium was limited. Uh, the 3D uh, genre was, was, was just really starting and it wasn't at its peak yet. Years later, they figured that out. The glasses got better and, and, and you can now even have 3D in your, in your house. And, and, and 3D now is, is, a, is so vivid that you can see almost exactly what it's like. It's, it's like when the punches come from the villain, the, the wind hits across your face. And, and, and you can see how, how Spider-Man is swinging into action and you can see how, the, how, how low he'll go to, to save his beloved and you'll see how far he will climb to save his beloved and you feel like you're right there. Because of the, the, the growth in the genre, you can see what the director always intended. You can get a vision of what the director hoped for and desired for when he designed this movie. And see, 3D is just a, 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 a window into what the director hopes. And the Gospels of the Bible are the exact same way. There's a, there's a desire that Jesus had when he left heaven is that the Father and him and the Holy Spirit will be seen in full vision. That, they, that you would be able to see how far they would be able to swing just to save humanity. That they, how far that they would climb just to save humanity. The depths that they would go just to bring sinful man back to their heavenly home. And, and, and so the Gospels aim to show God and Jesus specifically in 3D, showing that he is Lord over disaster, showing that he is Lord over disease, and showing that he is Lord even over demonic forces. They want to show Jesus in 3D, and so they take the time, and Mark especially takes the time to show God in 3D. And so we're going to spend a little time seeing that Jesus is not only Lord over demons, Jesus is not Lord over disease, but Jesus is Lord over disaster. And so as we enter into Mark 4, Jesus, by the time we catch up with him in a boat, Jesus has had a, a, a one-day, one-man preach-out. He's, he's standing in a boat, and he's teaching, and he's preaching, and he's showing how the seeds of truth are sown, and how certain seeds are scattered, and certain seeds are snatched up, and certain seeds even take root. And he has a brief meeting to explain to the disciples what all of this means. Then Jesus preaches and teaches on the basket and how hiding the light is no good and how that once you invest time in the word of God and how you study him diligently, he always multiplies what you learn and he always rewards your fastidious study. And Jesus then returns to the crops and he gives a mini lesson on what the kingdom of heaven is like and how every season has its harvest. And then Jesus moves from crops to the, to the mustard seed and he shows how a diminutive seed so small you can barely see it and so small you can barely hold just one in your fingertips. He, he shows how that diminutive seed can grow into a dominant tree. A tree so large that it blesses the weary and the wicked. Jesus does all of this seaside. And because he is 100% God and he is 100% man, he feels the heartache, he feels the headache, he feels the unhealed pain of those in the audience. He feels the rejection and dejection of every person standing there. And see, Jesus was a man of sorrow, a, a man acquainted with sorrow and grief, not just of his own, but everybody around him. And, and I remember when we used to have two services, the good old days, when we used to have two services. And I, and I looked at, at Pastor Snell about the third weekend, and I'm like, man, how are, how are you, you making it? He's like, you, you, you get a rhythm. Uh, uh, once, 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 once you go back into this, you kind of develop a rhythm, and it just feels natural. That first week is tough, but you start, to develop, you start to develop a rhythm. And so I just imagine that two services in four hours is amazing, and it's, and it's overwhelming, and it's taxing. But Jesus held five services plus, and he was feeling everything Everybody around him was feeling. The broken heart was there, and he felt that. 
the, the despised and rejected, the poor and the lonely were there. And he felt that. And Jesus is, is so beautiful because he never turns that valve to our sorrow off. He never shut that off just for a moment. He didn't say, man, I need a peace of mind. I'm, I'm going to cut this off. Uh, uh, Father, we're going we gonna to cut them off for the next 12 hours. We're not going to feel any of that. Jesus always had access to our anguish. And yet and still, as he's exhausted now, the man is worn out. The man is fatigued, but he doesn't reach for a Red Bull. He doesn't go get a shot of espresso. He doesn't go for, a, for an energy shot. Jesus says, let us go to the other side. And on his way to the other side, Jesus gets some rest. See, the boat that was once his pulpit. And you got to be a bad boy to preach in a boat anyway. <laughs> I, that, that's not in my notes, but you, you got to be a bad boy to stand flat-footed in a boat and preach five or six sermons in a day. Right? You got you to be, be pretty tough. It's, it's tough for me to do it without shoes on. So it's hard for me to imagine somebody who can stand in a boat and, and do that for five or six sermons. So the boat that was once his pulpit now becomes a passenger vessel. And as they set sail... Jesus grabs the cushion that was usually intended for the rower because he had the hardest job. He needed to be the most comfortable in the boat. And so the Jesus takes the cushion that's intended for the rower and he lays himself to sleep. And it's peaceful and placid for a minute. And all you hear is the sliding of the boats through the water. And you hear the, the oars hitting the water. And it's so serene and it's so peaceful that the disciples can't help but have a little praise and worship. I mean, they've been in church all day. And, and, and so, so Peter starts off with a little clap. Oh, my Lord. Oh, Lord, Lord. Oh, my Lord. Lord, Lord, Lord. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so they're singing and celebrating how good God is and, 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 and something about when storms come. You don't, you don't see them coming. And you're feeling good and you're talking about the goodness of the Lord. And then all of a sudden, the, 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 there it is, exactly. The winds of hell seem to come from nowhere. And, and it was just the same. The clouds started to darken. And, 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 and the glimpse of the sun that was, that was already setting in the distance was now completely taken away. And the winds rush in and the waves begin to rise and fall. And it says they, would, they rose over the boat. And so it's one thing when the, when the wind is pushing you around. It's another thing when the waves are rocking the boat, when they're rising and crashing inside the boat. It becomes a problem. And, and as, I, as I read this, I, I, I couldn't help but wonder. The disciples were going where Jesus told them to go. They were doing what Jesus told them to do. They were doing it where he told them to do it. They were doing it how he told them to do it. And they were doing it when he told them to do it. And yet and still, they run into a storm. How many of us? have been answering the call of God. We've accepted this relationship only to run into a storm. How many of us have, 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 have left our homes from wherever we came and we come down to this, this place called Oakwood and we, we register and we, we expect to financially clear. We expect the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing because that's what we've heard every week and we only run into financial clearance problems. And we get that notice that if you don't pay this by this time, your classes will be dropped. But Lord, I'm at the school of the prophets. Surely a door is supposed to open. But, uh, but sometimes in financial aid and student accounts, they forget that they're at the school of the prophets and they're looking for your money. Uh, uh, how many times have you answered the call and, and you've come to this place or you come to that place where God has left you only to run into a person that's supposed to be Christian? And it's wearing the name of seven-day Adventist or some other denominational system. And they don't treat you in that way. They're supposed to love you. They're supposed to look after you. And yet and still you run into bumps and bruises at their hands because they don't look like and act 
like the Jesus that they're supposed to. How many times have you joined this church and you have left what you what you thought was 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 untrue and you've come into this place only to find out that you've lost all your friends and somehow your family has turned their back on you and somehow you've lost your job and your money starts to get funny because you don't work the days that you used to work because now you serve the God of the Sabbath and your pockets and your bank account bear a false witness to how good God is. I'm talking about running into storms even though you've answered the call. Friends of mine, can I share something with you? Can I share something with you that, that God shared with me when I was in such a situation? And I'm not talking about 2008 or 2013. I'm talking about here recently. And I'm asking God, why did you put me in this position? Why did you call me to this place? Why did you call me to these people? And I'm not talking about first church before people start saying, the pastor, man at first church. I'm not talking about first church. I'm talking about this position in my life, this place in my life, these people that are now in my life. And I'm asking God, why did you bring me here? When it doesn't seem that it's part of the plan that you and I had discussed before I left. And what he shared with me as I read my devotional that morning, is Rashid, I didn't call you to this place. I didn't call you to this position. I didn't call you to these people. I called you to a relationship with me. And the plot points of this relationship have us stopping by this place. The plot points of this relationship have us stopping by this position. The plot point of our relationship has us encountering these people for such a time as this. But these people, these positions, these places are not your call. The relationship is your call. So you can lose the position. You can be knocked out of place and you can even lose people through death or other circumstances, but you can never lose the relationship with God. It's not just full time. It's not just part time. It's for all time. It's a always and forever relationship. And so where we go and what we do and who we do it for is based on the relationship with Jesus, not the other way around. And so we are called to a relationship. We are called to serve people in certain places, in certain positions at a certain time. But we serve an eternal God who we will walk with forever and into forever. So the disciples are called to go to the other side. And they run into a storm. Now the Sea of Galilee was temperamental at best. Right? You never knew where you were going to get. It's peaceful and calm one minute and it's angry and violent the next minute it's almost like the Ike Turner of water you never knew when it was gonna go off you never knew when it was gonna get aggressive and so you just had to take your chances as you crossed so because of their experience they should have been ready for the storm that was coming because of their experience they should have at least expected a storm but how many of us know that sometimes storms come in a way that no matter how ready you are, you aren't prepared for that one. You weren't prepared to lose Big Mama. You weren't prepared to, for, for, for the divorce papers that seemed to come out of nowhere. You weren't prepared to lose that child. You weren't prepared to lose that job. Sometimes storms come out of nowhere and in a way, a shape, a fashion, a form that you aren't ready for. And, and this is the same kind of storm the disciples found themselves in and the boats that follow. Because a lot of times we forget about the other people in the other boats. But there was this, this, this type of storm was a storm that they weren't ready for. See, the wind was against them. The waves were not only tossing them about. As I said before, they were rising and falling inside the boat. It's battering them and it's, it's overwhelming them and it says it's swamped. So now they're, they're, they're taking on water in the boat, which we all know is a sign of the boat sinking very quickly. And so as they see it, they are on the brink of death. And, and, and they yell out and, and they look back and Jesus is sound asleep. I mean, all hell is breaking loose. The wind and the rain, the waves are, are, are against them. And Jesus is not out in the back of the boat. But one thing they do, they did, I don't, I don't want to beat up on the disciples. In their fear, they turned to the right place. 
Because that's what we have to remember. We, we, we go and run into situations that are anxiety inducing or depressing. And it's all about where we turn when we run into that. It's all about what we do with that fear. It's all about what we do with that anxiety. It's all about what we do with that depression when it comes upon us. And so they turn to Jesus and they say, Lord, do you even care that we are about to die? Jesus hears this in, in the middle of his sleep and he jumps up, right? The winds didn't wake him up. The waves rising and crashing didn't wake him up. Jesus is laying in a puddle of water and he still didn't wake up. But the moment they cry out to him, Master, do you care that we are about to die? Jesus wakes up. And, and, and see, let me stop right there. There's not a tear that falls from your eye that the master doesn't care about. There's not an idea that you think, a feeling that you feel that he's not concerned about. And let's take it a step further. Uh, uh, there, there's not a situation that you go into that Jesus doesn't want to be involved with. Any situation. It, it, it says that he knows the very hairs on our head. Now, uh, like some other people, all of us ain't blessed with the scalp like uh, Chaplain Pelleggi got. So some of us are follically challenged. Right? We, we got some hairs that have abandoned us and, and have not come back. No matter how hard we pray, some of us look in the mirror and we brush stuff that used to be there and ain't nothing coming back. But it says that God knows the hairs on our head. I don't have many. And I don't know how many I have now or how many I'll have tomorrow. But he does. He knows how many I've lost. He knows how many I have tomorrow. Counting beard, mustache, eyebrow, and scalp. He knows the very hairs on my head. So a God that is so into you like that, your situations and problems are his priority. And it, it reminded me, because I'm, I'm an 80s baby, it reminded me as I read this uh, about WWF. It used to be WWF, everybody, it's now WWE. Um, but when I was coming up, it was WWF. And of course, Hulk Hogan was my favorite, quickly followed by Randy Macho Man Savage. But there was one guy that was kind of low-key that was one of my favorites. His name was Tito Santana. And Tito Santana was the intercontinental champion at times, but he was often the tag team champion. And, and Tito usually had a partner uh, that was somebody that was fresh and new, and they brought them along with Tito. So one time Tito may be with the Tonga Kid. One time Tito may be with the Junkyard Dog. But Tito had a partner for a year or two that was named Ricky Steamboat. And what I loved about Tito uh, is that Tito was always invested in the fight. And so Ricky usually went first. And, and, and Ricky would, would be taking his lumps and, and they would pan over to, to Tito and you would see Tito's face and it seemed like it almost hurt Tito more than it hurt Ricky to, to watch his partner take these L's. I mean, uh, Ricky is getting hip tossed and it hurts Tito. Ricky is getting body slammed and it hurts Tito. Ricky is getting clotheslined and it hurts Tito. Ricky is catching a stiff forearm to his upper lip and it seems like it's breaking Tito's heart and Tito's face with everything in him. He seemed like he was almost breaking his arm off to try to reach Tito. I mean, to try to reach Ricky. And so Ricky would, would stumble over and he, he would barely make it and he would tap Tito's hand. Bringing Tito into the fight. And Tito was, 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 was one of my favorites because Tito wouldn't crawl, you know, into the rope all casually. Tito wouldn't slide under the rope aggressively like some people would do. No, Tito would go over the top of the rope and he would land with both feet. And he would immediately run at whoever was in the, in the ring. He would catch him with a, a forearm first and then he would hit him with a clothesline and he would pick them up and body slam him. And then he would do a leg drop on him and then he would pick them up and power drive him. Boom. But instead of jumping right on them and pinning them, no, Tito ran to the other side and Tito would catch who was ever on the outside and he would forearm them. He would body slam them. He would hip toss them just in case they thought about involving themselves in the fight. And then after Tito had knocked two Whoever else was in the, in, the, in the wings, he would then come and he would pin one. He would then come and he pin two, three, and that person was out. And Tito had now brought victory to his team. Ladies and gentlemen, it's the same thing with our Jesus. 
He's watching us go through these fights and taking these lumps that we don't have to take. Only he's reaching out and he's nearly breaking his arm off, trying to get us to tag him so that we can involve him into the fight. And once we call on his name, once we invite him into our situation, he doesn't crawl under the rope. He doesn't uh, uh, dive under the rope. No, he jumps over the rope and he lands with both feet and he clotheslines Satan and he power drives Samson, Satan and he hip toss Satan and then he gives a suplex to Satan and lays him out but before he pins Satan and finishes him off he goes to the corner and he takes out anybody that thought about involving themselves in the fight because Jesus once you call his name he is automatically involved in the fight Jesus once you call upon his name he has to get involved he can't help himself he can't hold back he's dying in the corner waiting for you to tag his hand so that he can come in and wreck shop on your behalf and so Jesus jumps into action the moment the disciples call his name they rebuke the when he rebukes the winds and the waves for allowing them to be used by Satan against their creator so the wind comes in and Jesus stands up like my daddy used to stand up. And, and, and when we woke him up out of his sleep and he had been working third shift and he just give you that look that means shut up. And so Jesus looking before he says, peace, be still. He looks at the wind and he looks at the waves and he says, peace. And before he can get be still, uh, the wind just goes. <laughs> and the waves which were over the boat and about to crash one more time, they're at their peak and it goes. <laughs> And so by the time he gets still, it's quiet as an old school library on the sea. And Jesus then turns his attention from the stormy sea to the storm inside the boat. Again, he's always in tune with whatever is going on inside the hearts of those around him. And so Jesus looks at them, not with disgust. Not with anger, but with disappointment. Jesus looks at them and says, why are you so afraid? Have you, in the Amplified Version, have you no faith in me? No confidence in me. The scripture says he was with them as he was. But when the going got tough, they forgot who was going with them. And that broke his Heart. Jesus looks at Peter and the rest of them and he diagnoses the disconnection he says oh you of no faith in Mark but in Matthew he says little faith and it's not faith this, the, the, that's a, a stature or height it's immature faith it's a faith that should have been further along than it was because they had seen the miracles both minor and major widow of Nain, uh, water and the wine they had seen that and yet and still they forgot who was with them in the boat and so this brings us to our, our, our three points and then we'll get out your way it brings us to the point of what little faith immature faith can't do first thing little faith can't do is conquer fear little faith can't conquer fear fear is intended to distract us fear is intended to take our attention away from the power source and you just got to look at one other example on the sea to see exactly what I mean Peter called is a miracle in the making walking on water and yet as as he's looking at Jesus being a part of the miracle he starts to hear the wind in the distance he starts to hear the, the waves rattle in the distance and he takes his focus off of who he's walking with and on what's against him. And that's what fear is designed to do. Fear is designed to, for us to focus our attention on what is against us instead of who is with us. Fear is, design, is designed to take our attention and focus on what we can't do, what we don't have, what's not available instead of who's with us, what we can do and what is available. And so fear strips us of our power because it pulls us away from the power source. I, I, I used to have to run the vacuum. And I, I, I would try to get as far as I could with the vacuum. 
before I had to go back in the other room, unplug that joint and bring it back. But without fail, eventually, eventually, I'm running. The light goes out. The suction power is gone because I pulled it too far away from the power source. And that's what fear is designed to do. That's what fear is intended to do. It's intended to take us as far away from the power source as possible so we are no longer connected and we can't do what God wants us to do. Now, I have fear, just like everybody else. I have this fear of rejection. And, and that caused me to hate my voice growing up. And so uh, all the way till a couple years ago, <laughs> occasionally I would go places where nobody knew me and I would be uncomfortable and I would use somebody else's voice. So I'm, I'm, I'm checking out, oh, excuse me, can you tell me how much this shirt is? It says $27.99, 40% off. What's 40% off $27.99? Can you help me out? Just a bit. And, and, and nobody knew me, but I hated the way my natural speaking voice was. And so I would, I would disappear and I'd hide in this camouflage. And that's what fear does. It makes you create a camouflage instead of fighting what's against you. And so I'm there and, 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 and now I'm, I'm, I'm using this, this, this horrible Spanish accent just because I hate the way I talk or I suddenly become British or I suddenly become Jamaican all because I hate the way my natural voice and, and, and the Bible is wonderful. Because it doesn't just deal with perfect people in problematic situations. It deals with problematic people in problematic situations. Second Timothy verse one, uh, chapter 1 verse 7 deals with an issue that Timothy is dealing with. Paul states uh, that God has not given us the spirit of fear, but the spirit of love and of power and of sound mind and discipline. Now, I have a fear of rejection. Paul writes this to Timothy because Timothy has a fear of confrontation. That word fear is not just fear as in, oh, I wonder what's there in the dark. No, Timothy in confrontational situation would resort to cowardice. He would, he would withdraw even if he was right. He would withdraw even if God had sent them there because the confrontation was something he was hoping to avoid. But Paul is telling him in this next chapter where God is sending you, in this next chapter where God is taking you, if you're trying to level up in this walk of faith, God has not given you the spirit of fear. Yes, it's natural. Yes, it's human. But it's not of God. And so if it's not of God, it must be from Satan, the devil. Exactly. And the devil comes only to kill, steal and destroy. So if he's given you something, it's poison. It's not candy. It's not fruit. It's intended to kill, steal and destroy. But God also offers the antidote. Love, power, sound mind and discipline. The love ignites our faith where we want to hold on we have to hold on because there is nothing greater than what he gives and what we receives as a result of our relationship and that inflates our power we are because we have faith the power of the holy spirit is now flowing through us is now poured out upon us and so we can face what we never could without that love and without pow that power and this develops us and forces us to study his word so that we can develop a sound mind we are able to keep things in perspective because when you don't have a, a, a godly mind when you don't have a sound mind everything looks big you ever seen that person fighting in the grocery store over like a dollar sixty seven like the, the, that that's something to, to take time and and almost go to blows over because it's it's blown out of proportion but God tells you and shows you who's behind the source of this argument. You can say, get thee behind me, Satan, because now you have that sound mind and you realize that who is doing what and more importantly, why they're doing it. And so little faith can't overcome fear. But love, power, a sound mind and discipline can overcome fear and it allows us to face what's against us because we remember who is with us. So little faith can't overcome fear and little faith can't calm the storms we're all going through storms and, and, and one, of, one of my favorite preachers says your, your life is 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 in in one of these stages at all times You're either coming out of a storm going into a storm or on your way or you're in a storm or on your way into a storm coming out in one currently or headed 
into a storm. At every point of your Christian walk, one of these three things is happening. And, and, and so the storms, especially those like this one designed by the devil, are intended to separate you from God. They're intended to drive space and drive a wedge between you and God. The storms that God allows for us are intended to draw us nearer. So uh, we, 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 me and my wife, we, we have a few hobbies. We love to go to lunch. We eat lunch together every day. We love to go hiking. I know we're not built like hikers. I know that doesn't, my body doesn't read hiker. <laughs> but, but we love to disappear into nature and, and, and walk around for a while. And we love to shop. So when we go on vacation, these three things are taken into consideration. All right. And so we go to the mall to shop. And we, before we, we go, before we leave our hotel room or our house, we, we talk about where we're going to go. All right. You want to go to Polo? I'm going to go to Polo. You want to go to Tommy Hilfiger? I'm going to go to Tommy Hilfiger. You want to go here? You want to go there? All right. So we're going to get this. I'm only looking for this, baby. I, I don't want a whole bunch of stuff. I'm not looking for that. We only going to get this stuff. Yeah, you good? You good? I'm good. So we go into the store. We go into the mall. And we have our plan of where we're going, what we're there to get, and what we're there to bring back home with us. And without fail, there's somebody there who's intended to take me off my track. I didn't have any, any desire for what they're offering, but they're always coming and they're always intentional about separating me and her. This is popular amongst the ladies. This, this will make your feet feel brand new. And so they're trying to, to get her attention. They're, 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 this, is, this is some new gadget that, that men are, are going crazy over. You need this. And, and, and then you got those that are really, really aggressive. Like they, they get up close and personal. Hey, dog, let me go on and get them off of you. Man, I see your shoe game, man. Why don't you go ahead? Let me clean them up for you. Have you looking fresh and crispy. No, man. I already got that shoe cleaner. I'm good. Nah, dog, you ain't got these. We just came out with this, man. I'm trying to tell you, you get the waterproofer, you get the cleaner. Man, your, your, shit, kick, your kicks be looking fresh all the time, man. I'm telling you, let me, it's just $20, y'all. I'm going to help a black man out. Nah, man, I was here last week and I bought that. Nah, you didn't get the brush. Nah, bro. I'm here for this. I'm going here. I'm not entertaining your separation. So our, our method is I hold her hand, she hold my hand. So when they try to pull her away, she go like this. And we go the opposite direction. When they try to pull me away, I hold on and we go this way. Because there's nothing that's going to come between us and distract us and take us from where we're supposed to go. From getting what we're supposed to get. And taking back with us what we were supposed to take back. And see, the storms in, the, in this story are intended to separate the disciples. It's intended to knock them off course. It's intended to break them apart, to give up on Jesus before they get where they're supposed to get. Go where they're supposed to go and do what they were supposed to do. See, peace be still wasn't just for the 13 people in that boat. Peace be still was for all the other boats that were behind them. Peace be still for, for those who had just started this journey with Jesus and they were watching to see what they, what he was going to do. Peace be still was, was, was for the, not only the 13 in there, but the people who would hear this story after. And peace be still was for a man that was demon possessed on the other side who was waiting and hoping and praying that somehow, some way, someday somebody can let him free from Legion who was running roughshod all over him. So peace be still is not just for us. Peace be still is for the people who are watching us, who are waiting to hear what God has done and will do. The, the, the word says that, that we overcome the enemy by the blood of the lamb and the power of our testimony. Yeah. Satan knows that Jesus already did what he was supposed to do, so the blood is undefeated already. So the only hope he has at victory is that you'll not talk about what you've been through. The only hope he has at victory is that you won't testify how good God has been, how good God still is, even though you're in the stone. And you won't talk about how good you expect God to continue to be in the future because he's never failed you in the past and he won't fail you in the present. And he will never fail you in the future because he can do anything but fail. So little faith can't calm the storm. But if we refuse to let go of God. If we refuse to let anything come between us, if we hold on to his unchanging hand and we testify of his goodness, we can conquer the storm. So not only can we conquer the storm through faith, little faith can't conquer fear. Little faith robs us of our ability to calm the storm and little faith, unfortunately, doesn't allow us to see God 
for who he truly is. He's 100% God. Jesus is 100% man. And the man was exhausted and needed some rest. The man needed to, to lay down, but the God in him never sleeps nor slumber. The God in him never blinks. The God on him never takes a day off. And so he knew exactly what was going on. And there was nothing that was going on then, now, or, or after now that gets by him. And he doesn't understand what's going on in this planet. But because they had lost sight of who he was, and because they had little faith, they couldn't see that he was the Prince of Peace. They couldn't see that he was shalom embodied. They couldn't see that he was tranquility personified. They couldn't see that he was peace for every group, every nation, every kindred, tongue, and individual. They couldn't see that, that, that every person that ever walked on the face of this earth that, that cried out for peace, it was he who answered. They couldn't see that he was the bright and the morning star, that wherever he was, darkness was driven out. They couldn't see that just as he stepped forth and said, let there be light, that before he hung the moon, the sun and the stars, that he was our light and he is our light. They couldn't see that he was Emmanuel, God with us, and he had promised to never leave us nor forsake us, that whatever we feel, he's right there. Whatever we face, he's right there. Whatever we fight, he's right there. They couldn't see that when you're riding with the way, the truth, and the life, death has to get permission just to be death. Death has to ask Jesus if it's okay if I be death. So whatever God allows death to do, he can certainly undo. They couldn't see that he was the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. That not only did he see the beginning and the end and know the beginning of the end, he was the beginning of the end and all things in him consist and exist. They didn't understand that he has one foot in before and one foot in forevermore and he meets us in the here and now and he joins us in the present. He said to the disciples, let us go to the other side. And he didn't understand that when he started out with them, he was also going to finish with them. When he said, let us go to the other side, not only does he say that they're going to get there, but that they will get there together. See, my friends, they didn't understand that the call is not only a confirmation of his companionship, the call is a confirmation of our completion. The call is a confirmation that we will get to the other side. The word of God says, because I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. So my friends, rest assured that we will get to the other side. We'll get to the other side of depression. We'll get to the other side where there's peace and we will enjoy joy and we will feel fulfillment. We will get to the other side where there's no more drama, no more pain. We'll get to the other side where there's no more anxiety. There's only tranquility, serenity, and calm. We will get to the other side of matriculation where we will finish high school and we're going to our college career even though they told you in, tw in third grade you wouldn't be nothing. You're now standing on the edge of high school graduation and you will get to the other side. You will get to the other side of college graduation into postgraduate studies and into your career you will get to the other side of family drama where you don't have to worry about where your father is you'll get to the other side where you don't have to worry about what your mother said you will get to the other side with no more funny money where you don't have to rob Peter to pay Paul you'll get to the other side of loneliness where you no longer cry yourself to sleep hoping for somebody to lay with you hoping for somebody to stay with you hoping for somebody to speak to you we will get to the other side where Jesus will leave his heavenly home and he will descend from heaven with the shout and the voice of the archangel will blow the trumpet and the dead in Christ will rise first. But we, I said we, who are alive and remain will be called to meet the Lord in the air. And, and, and for those of us who are follically challenged, it says we'll be changed in the twinkling of an eye. So, so now my, my hair looks like Pastor uh, Chaplain Pelleggi. I'm just able to toss it and, and shake it. I, 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 the, 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 the overweight starts to fall off and melt away. And the contacts that I need that I can't see, that I can't wake up and look at anything without contacts or glasses, they start to fall from my eyes like tears as I go to meet the Lord in the air. And we have a robe of righteousness that he clothes us with. And we are there to meet the Lord in the air. And see, as he takes us from earth to heaven, uh, uh, I start to look back. 
And then I start to look up. I start to look back at what he's brought me through. And I start to look at where he's taken me to. And I start to look at it, all the problems that I have. And I, and I start to see myself leaving them behind. I start to see myself leaving the problematic people behind. And I look toward heaven. And I see myself getting closer and closer to Jesus by the second. And something in me won't let me wait until we sing a new song. Something in me won't let me hold back. So I look at Jesus and I look back. And I look at Jesus and I look back. And I just have to yell out, never would have made never could have made it without you I would have lost it all but now I see that you were there for me and I can say I'm stronger and I'm wiser I'm better much better and when I look and all you brought me through, I can see that you're the one I held on to, cause I never. And we meet the Lord in the air. But friends of mine, he doesn't stop there. That, that's, that's, that's enough for us to shout. But it says when we get there, he will come to each one of us. And I don't know when this happens. I don't know if this happens before we sing the new song. I don't know if it happens after he gives us a tour. But it says that he will come to each one of us. And he will take his nail-scarred hands. And he will wipe the tears from our eyes. And because I'm a little emotional, because I'm a little sensitive, he hugs each one of us and he says, you were worth it. He comes to you and he draws you near and he says, you were worth it. And he goes down the line of each one of us represented by the number 144,000. He says, you were worth it. And yea, we will always be with the Lord. See, the call is not only a confirmation of his companionship. The call is a confirmation of our completion and yea we will always be with the lord so little faith can't conquer fear but he has promised and as we close he has promised that if we have faith the size of a mustard seed we can move mountains if we have faith the size of a mustard seed you can move mountains and so if you can move mountains you can overcome fear if you can move mountains, you can calm the storms. And if you can move mountains, you can finally see who Jesus is. Not only what he did, but who he is. He is salvation. He didn't just offer salvation. He is redemption. He didn't just offer redemption. And redemption, I love that word. As I, when I was little, I used to read everything that was put in front of me. So I'll read the cereal box. And on the bottom of the cereal box, there would be a coupon from time to time. And at the bottom of the coupon, it says, not valid until return to manufacturer. My friends, Jesus wants to return us to our heavenly manufacturer. What we're going through is invalid until we meet him in the air. So the storm is intended to knock you off your block. The storm is intended to separate you from your saviors, separate you from the power source. But I, I challenge you today to choose him and let nothing come between you so that you can return to your manufacturing. So my appeal is simple. If you want that mustard seed faith so that you can overcome fear and the doubt and the anxiety that comes with it, that strips you of your power, let us know in the chat. Let us know at prayer at firstsdachurch.com and I promise you, somebody will reach out to you by Tuesday morning. If you want God to, to, to walk with you, not tomorrow, not Monday, if you want God to walk with you right here and right now, just simply make that decision that you are not going to leave until he bless you. You will hold on to him, come what may, and it starts today with that decision. 
So if that's you, let us know in the chat. Reach us at prayer at firstsdachurch.com. Get a hold of us on our Facebook page somehow, some way. And if you can't wait till we respond, contact one of your local SDA churches. Contact one of your local congregations and reach out to them and, and start that journey with God today. Let me pray for you and then we'll go ahead and get out of your way. But you can have not only life, but you can have life more abundantly here and in the hereafter. Let us pray. Blessed Father, we thank you first and foremost, Lord, for what you have already done for us. That the ticket that you purchased for us existed before we did. The way home existed before we even knew that we were estranged. Before we even knew that we were orphans, Lord, so I thank you for who you are. I thank you for what you've done. And Lord, I ask that you would just speak to all of those who are in the valley of decision. That you will encourage them, inspire them, and draw them close to you and whisper in their ear that there is no other choice but you. Everything else leads to death. So, Father, I pray that you release somebody today. I pray that you transform somebody today. I pray that you restore somebody today. I pray that you recharge somebody today. Lord, that they will choose you and walk with you from here on until you come in the clouds of glory and say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Please forgive us for our sins and our shortcomings. In the mighty, beloved name of Jesus, we pray. We thank you for hanging with us. We now turn the program back over to our moderator. May God bless and keep you. Check in toward the service tomorrow at 8 o'clock on First Watch on Facebook. And here on the, C uh, on, on the CW, you will hear a word from Pastor Snell that will change your life. Thank you, and may God bless and keep you until we meet again. We know that you have been blessed for listening to this message. Join us next week for another inspirational message. If you would like more information about the First SBA Church located in Huntsville, Alabama, or have a prayer request, please visit us at www.firstsbachurch.com. Our services are streamed live on Saturday mornings at 11.30 a.m. and Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. Central Time and you're invited to watch these live programs on our website. Until next time, may God richly bless and keep you in His care.